Good morning, everyone. My name is Ed Rocha. I'm one of the elders here at Oaks. And this morning, I have again the privilege and the responsibility to bring the Word of God for us. As you know, if you've been coming here, we have been going through the Sermon on the Mount. And today, we'll be covering Matthew 6, 19 through 24. If you want to have your Bibles ready, we use the ESV translation. So if you're doing it on your devices, select that one. If we have a, a few Bibles in the back, Asher is getting one. He can bring one to you if you raise your hand. Okay, no takers. Um, I will warn you guys, I'm not going to make any joke today because I don't want to take the risk that somebody will stand up and come slap me on the face. Okay? And on top of everything, Rosha, if translated to English, is rock. So I'm too close to take the risk. Okay? So no jokes today. Okay. Well, treasures have always captured the imagination of people for in many, many different ways. I mean, there are books about treasures, there are movies about treasures, there are reality shows about treasure. I mean, that uh, the curse of Oak Island is on its ninth season, 159 episodes so far, and they are talking about the next one. I was going to... Uh, say that Thomas Dewan is, was born in kind of that general area where uh, the island is. So there is a lot that goes on. Okay, here's an idea. Parents of young children, maybe this afternoon, you could do a little treasure map with those oversized acts and hide something in the house and get the kids to go look for it. How about that? See, I got some takers. Yeah, look at that. So, I mean, that looks like Captain Morgan here, but that's not the idea, okay? Um, now, if we take a more adult and more capitalist version of treasures, maybe many of us may be more thinking about accumulating a treasure instead of finding one, okay? And that's probably a little closer to what will talk to us uh, this morning. And sometimes that becomes an obsession, the, 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 the reason for somebody's life. And you know Jesus talked a lot about money through the Gospels. Uh, actually, some people even say, oh, that's the topic that he talked the most. That's not true. I mean, definitely talking about God and his kingdom was way up in his uh, agenda. Talking about faith and salvation was up there. But he did frequently either talked about money or used money as an illustration for some message he was passing. For example, 11 of his 39 parables make reference to money. Either they are about money or they use money in the illustration of the message he's trying to pass. One of every seven verses that captures Jesus' words makes a reference to money. So obviously that is something that was uh, important in his message. Now, again, as I said, in many cases, that was just a reference, that was just an illustration for a bigger teaching. And the text that we're going to read today, even though it's quite centered in that concept of the treasure, um, it does carry a hidden message. So there is a treasure inside the treasure message this morning. So again, if you have your Bibles uh, in Matthew 6, let's go through... Uh, verses 19 through 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, 
where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither the moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. We can easily divide those. I mean, we like the expository method. Uh, we can easily divide this text in three sessions. Verses 19 through 21, the heart. Verses 22 and 23, the eye. And verse 24, the master. See that I took three words that start with T? The eye, no, the heart, the eye, and the master. A little force there, but okay. Now... What is Jesus not saying in this text? Do you guys know that Bible verse that says, money is the root of all evil? Good, good. I, I, didn't, I didn't see too many heads bouncing up and out. That verse does not exist. The closest one to that is in uh, 1 Timothy 6.10, where Paul says, for the love of money is a root for all kinds of evil. Very different than the popular version of that verse, okay? The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So, is money inherently bad? No. Actually, money is very important. should be treated seriously. It is a big part of everyone's lives. Now, can it cause problems? Oh, absolutely, yes. I had a friend that used to say, money is not the problem, it's the solution. Uh, not always true. In, in some cases, that might be. But again, let's remember, throughout the Bible, there were some very special servants of God that were rich men. I mean, Abraham is labeled, is called in the Bible, a friend of God. Very rich man. David, King David, a man according to God's own heart. Very rich. Joe Austin, Oh, no, forget that one. Forget that, that bad example, bad example. Okay, so let's go to what Jesus is indeed saying, okay? Verse 19 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where the moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. So, obviously what Jesus is saying, hey, trusting on these treasures that you can accumulate here, it's a bad idea, it's very risk. Risky. It, it can deteriorate, the moth and the rust examples. It can be taken away, the thieves example. I think if it was nowadays, probably Jesus would say, if Wall, uh, Wall Street was already going on at his time, he would probably say the market could crash and you could lose everything you have there, like my 401k or, uh, yeah. Or if bitcoins already exist, Jesus would probably say, if you forget the password, you're going to be in trouble because you're not going to be able to get your, your money. So the whole message here is it's not going to give you the security that you think it would. 
You cannot trust that treasure to bring you what you, you would be looking for. The benefit that you may hope for, it's not there. Now, he continues in contrast. He says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So, if we go back to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, on the Mount when Pastor Chris started there on uh, Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. Basically, each one of them was, blessed are, dot, 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 for they, dot, dot, dot. So there was, in most cases, a reward associated with what's being proposed there. Um, actually, verse 12, when it just is closing what became known as the Beatitudes, the, verse 12 says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. We could look also in Matthew 10, 42. Jesus says, And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water, because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Okay. We're not going to do a full study on rewards today. It will take too much time. We don't have that time here. But the Bible makes clear that there are rewards in heaven for the things that we do here in life. Now, if you're not paying attention, pay attention to this. More important than anything else that I will be saying this morning. This is not saying that we need to do something in this life to be accepted by God. That's not what I mean. That's not what it's saying. The sin that separates us from God, from a perfect God, cannot allow us to be in his presence with that, that sin. Nothing we can do here could pay for that. No treasure that we can accumulate here or in heaven would be enough to pay for that separation that we have from God. Only The only currency acceptable by God to pay the price for our sin is the blood of Christ when he died on the cross to pay it for us. The cleansing that he brings is the only way that we can be made acceptable and be in the presence of God, okay? Now, if we have been accepted by God, if we have this relationship, if we are in Christ, then yes, then at that point, there are expectations from the Lord about how we live our lives. And there are rewards promised associated with how we live our lives. So it's, it's frequently said that how we use our time, our talent, and our treasure is uh, something that God expects uh, from us. Now, let's remember, we, it was not necessary that God would promise or propose rewards, our devotion to him could be just by us understanding he is God and being awe in his presence and his son. Now, yes, that should be enough for us to be on our knees in front of him. But he did promise rewards. It's in his, his words. So can you imagine uh, hearing from Jesus in heaven, good and faithful servant. Can you imagine that? I mean, doesn't it give you goosebumps to be in front of the Lord and he looks at you and says, good and faithful servant. 
I guess that should be a motivation for us to, to do the right things. I like the way uh, Dr. Jeremiah uh, put it. He said that he wants to live in a way that honors God. He wants the crown that the Bible talks about. Because he said, when I'm going to be in line waiting to meet Jesus, he said, I want to have the most beautiful crown to cast at his feet. It, again, it's all about him. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. So I love that, that way. Now, in that last verse of that first block of verses, Jesus explained why we should accumulate treasures in heaven. Verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. So, what do you treasure the most? What occupies your mind, your heart the most? Do you remember when you were a teenager and first time you were in love? You were probably thinking about him or her all the time. It was in your mind. It was, you couldn't think of something else. Or, like me getting closer to retirement, I'm thinking if my treasure will be enough to provide for myself and my family for the next 30 years or something like that. Or you may be focusing on your career, on your family, or something else. And we're not saying that those are bad things. They just can't be the top priority. Otherwise, they steal your heart. They become the thing that you're going to trust the most. So, what are treasures in heaven? I mean, this verse talks about it and, and goes on. It doesn't stop to, to explain what they are. I mean, obviously, living a righteous life that honors God is an accumulation of treasures in heaven. Suffering for Christ's sake. Sharing the gospel message. Investing time in God's word. Invest talent in God's work. Investing treasure in God's kingdom. Forgiving one another. Acts of kindness. Giving someone in need. Uh, actually, this last one is probably the closest to the most direct application since we are talking about treasure and with this kind of financial lean that the text uh, has. Um, if you are in the, our list for emails, you may have received, you, you did receive yesterday an email from the church that includes a video from uh, Pastor Steve and Celeste Kern there in Germany. I mean, they left their families here. They left here to go live in Germany in this city that harbors refugees from many places in the world where there were crises. I mean, Syrians, Afghans, African uh, people. And right now, they are preparing to take some Ukrainians in that city. Because if you look at the map, they, over 2 million Ukrainians fled to Poland. Well, some of them are crossing Poland and entering Germany. And that city particularly is going to be a place of refuge, of care for those people. And Stephen Celeste talked to their landlord about the possibility of taking one family of Ukrainians with them in their little apartment there. It's temporary housing until the situation is uh, improved, is defined. Uh, that's accumulating treasures in heaven, guys. I mean, I, I 
don't think God expects all of us to move to Germany next week or to uh, Ukraine or something like that. I mean, there are different ways that that will, that will happen, but I, th I think we, we understand what Jesus is talking when he says about uh, treasures in heaven. Now, at this point in the text, the text takes an intriguing turn. Looks like the next couple of verses are completely unrelated to what's before or after them. Verse 22 and 23. But the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Jesus was talking about the heart just a few verses before. Now he starts talking about the eye. What is the relation there? I looked at several commentaries, and honestly, I couldn't find a good consensus, uh, solid explanation for that. Uh, Daniel Ekin, that wrote a book about the Sermon on the Mount that Pastor Chris uh, gave to me, uh, he states that sometimes Jesus' teachings are purposely vague in order to make us think. So I said, okay, so I'd better think and start looking, uh, looking around. And again, Jesus is coming from the context. He's talking about where your treasure is, your heart will also be. Then it, it seems to me that he's talking about the heart desires, what we focus on. So the, he kind of freely flows from that to the eyes, to what attracts us, to what we desire. Actually, I found a similar transition in Psalm 119, that big long psalm that's mostly talking about how King David loved to follow God's commandments and his law and his will. Verse 10 of Psalm 119 says, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Then a few verses down, verse 18 says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things about your law. So we see that, that, that transition, similar to what Jesus uh, did. So again, in my understanding of this text is Jesus is talking about what catches your attention, what attracts you, what consumes your heart and maybe enters you via your, your eyes. Are we looking at the right things? Are we looking at the proper things? We can't miss the important stuff. Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, we have the following. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. We can miss the big point very easily when we are not uh, in tune with what God expects from us. That takes us to the last verse. Verse 24 in our text, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So now Jesus is getting to the point of this whole passage. He's basically coming to the conclusion, who are you serving? with your life. I mean, the whole thing about the treasure, about where your heart is, about the eyes, comes together here. 
And at this point, I'd like to zoom out of this uh, concept that Jesus is teaching about money to take a wider look because this same concept, that's what I call the, the hidden treasure inside the treasure passage, is applicable to more things. One of his most famous books, uh, Pastor Tim Keller wrote, Counterfeit Gods. And he talks about several things that can take the place of God in our lives. Obviously, money appears in his book or greed as one of the things that can steal our heart from God to other things. But there are other forms of idolatry, other times that we put other things in the place that only belongs to God. So, uh, power, beauty, pleasure, education, your family, your spouse, your church. These, again, are not necessarily bad things, but when they take the highest spot on the podium, that's when they become idolatry. They become something that's taking the place of God in your life. Still with uh, Pastor Tim Keller, he defines what is an idol. And I should speak slowly because that's like his style, right? What is an idol? It is anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. Impersonation there was not the greatest, but if you know Pastor Tim Keller, it's idol is anything more important to God to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give you what only God can give. I was looking around a little more for other definitions and I found one uh, from John Piper and it's interesting how close they are. John Piper. An idol is anything you come to rely on for blessing or help or guidance in place of wholehearted reliance on the true and living God. Years ago, we had a Bible study, and it was a video series, and unfortunately, I can't remember the name of the teacher that was teaching that series, but he made an interesting comment. He said that one day his eight-year-old daughter lied to him. So he took that, hey, teaching moment here, teaching opportunity. He talked to her, and he actually went through the Ten Commandments with his daughter. And he asked, have you missed the point on some of these Ten Commandments? And the daughter said, I don't know, but I know one that I did not miss. She said, I don't have any idol. I don't have any God before God. So he thought that that was enough for a teaching moment with an eight-year-old. So he kissed her goodnight, left the room, but he was thinking. He said, actually, probably we only miss in any of the other points if we miss on that one first. It's when we put something in front of God in our lives that we start going against his will in other areas. So that, I thought that was very interesting. That had an impact on me many years ago when, we, when I heard that, that comment. And I think, I hope it, it hits you as well because it is when we put ourselves or something else in front of God 
that we start making the other mistakes, offending God in other ways there. Imagine if you could watch your life as a big, long YouTube video. And you would press the mute button. And you would not hear the beautiful words that you are saying. You would just watch what you are doing day in, day out of your life. Who would you perceive as being your God, your treasure? Where is your heart being devoted in your life as you go day in, day out of your life? Think about that because sometimes we, we learn to speak churches or churchish, I don't know, the, the language of church and we say the right things. But are we living with God in the first place in our lives? I mean, our worship, the verse we read in the beginning this morning, we're all pointing to that. So I want to close by, by saying, is greed or career or family or yourself, which probably the most dangerous idol that you can have, taking the first place in your life? Who is sitting on the throne? Who is the master? Where is your treasure? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning that we can freely open your word and look at a lesson for us uh, out of it. Lord, we, we thank you that your church is willing to honor your name. We want to honor your name with our lives, Lord, but... Hey, how many times we, we put on other things before you, Lord, and for that we, we ask your forgiveness, Lord. We want to have you in the first place in the throne of our lives as our most valuable treasure in life, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.